Good morning, team. Great to see everybody. I think it's really good to shake things up a bit, and Neil obviously thinks so too, because he's invited a bunch of randoms to speak over the next six weeks. So thank you, Neil, for the opportunity. Um, can I have the first slide, please, if it's working? So, um, spontaneity. Just going to rip this up. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. No, I might stick to my notes for, to start with. Um, spontaneity brings blessing. There's been a couple of spontaneous blessings already this morning. My daughter, Jasmine, uh, went thrift shopping, as she calls it, yesterday, and bought some jeans. And she brought them back, and I said, Jasmine, they've got a hole in them. She went, oh, never mind. They're only four pounds. I'm thinking, Jasmine, that was a really bad purchase. She walks in this morning. She puts her hands in her pocket to get something, brings out a ten-pound note. So she's been paid six pounds to wear the holy jeans. So spontaneous blessing for her. Um, I had a spontaneous blessing. I turned around to say hello to the person sitting behind me. And um, we spontaneously said, hello, I'm Camilla. (laughs) Welcome, Camilla. Um, So it just shows that whatever you're prepared for, you're never quite sure what's going to happen next. Can you just close your eyes and listen? Nothing's going to happen. Just listen doesn't need to be silent. In Covent Garden, having a wander around with the pigeon. Nothing's going to happen. Okay, in a minute you're going to listen to something. No, no, not yet, not yet, not yet, sorry. We should have another slide up here. of a gentleman selling the big issue. Imagine it. Last week I went to a meeting in London, and on my way I saw a big issue seller, a Romanian plumber, an international group of Muslim women who originally came from Pakistan, a French tourist, and a family on their way to a restaurant. Right, how much of that can you remember? Anybody? Family on the way to a restaurant. Any others? French tourist. It's like that game, you know, I went shopping and I bought. Brilliant. Well done, so you are awake. So here's the first gentleman that I met. Okay. They were all spending their time in different ways near Leicester Square, and I decided to interrupt them with a spontaneous question. We're now going to listen to a very short podcast that I've made exclusively for you this morning. My job is making podcasts and making radio, so if you would just like to close your eyes or just look at the picture and have a listen to this, please. ...with the pigeons and the tourists, and um, I'm going to be really brave and see if I can ask some questions to random strangers about what they think of Jesus or what they know about him. If Jesus was here in Leicester Square, um, you're selling the big issue, what do you think he would say to you if he was here? Quite saying better. <laughs> Stop standing here. Stood here 15 years, so I need to find saying us. So what do you think his plan would be for this area? What, what do you think Jesus would change if he was here? Oh, no, clean it up somehow. Thank you. Thank you. Try and make it a bit better. Thank you very much. Um, so, bonjour. Uh, j'ai une question. Qu'est-ce que vous pensez de Jésus? Euh, sur Jésus, j'ai pas pas beaucoup d'idées en fait. Non, aucune. Genre, en fait, j'y pense, j'y pense jamais. J'ai pas, j'ai pas d'idées sur Jésus. So you're saying I've got no idea and I never non. think about him. Jamais, never. Bon, merci. merci. Bon courage. Comment? Bon courage. Bon courage. Merci beaucoup. Hi, um, can you just tell me where you're from and what job you do? Romania. I'm from Romania. And what job do you do? I'm doing plumbing. If I asked you what you thought of the person of Jesus, what would you say? 
Is he working? Yeah, he is. Yes. Oh. Working, yeah. oh, my goodness, I thought he was just having a break. Yeah. Give me one sentence. Yeah, sorry, because it's covered my You voice. can't. Oh, bless you. Thanks. Yeah, so can you think of a story that has Jesus in it? Well, I believe Jesus is going to come back. Okay, uh, tell me more. Uh, with the Messiah, I, we believe in who's going to come and save the world. So that's for sure one thing that I know. And any other story about Jesus in Bethlehem and his birth? Uh, we well, Jesus is a prophet, so we believe uh, quite a lot in him, and, and yeah. we've got lots of stories of his in our holy book, the Quran, as well. We do the story of Maryam is one of the most popular ones yes. in the Quran, and that's about the birth of Jesus. And yes, there's a very special prayer in the Quran that you know women pray uh, as part of childbirth, and it's supposed yeah. to make childbirth really easy. Yeah. And um, so, and, and the story about when Jesus was born and. Uh, when Miriam uh, was asked not to speak and the, and the child, Jesus, spoke himself about his uh, prophethood and and about God and all, and all of that. So And his power of healing, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think that was one. That was his miracle, right? Yeah. That was his miracle. Yeah. So can Jesus still heal today? No, I don't believe in that, no. Never thought about it, so I don't know. I'll have to think. Well, for those who believe in him, will actually have the faith and the thing in them and I think using that faith of theirs they will they do believe that Jesus can still uh, heal them yeah thank you, thank you very much indeed. really nice to meet you That's so kind of you thank you so what stories have you ever heard of about Jesus uh, bread and wine anything else from your group here uh, do you know what? Thank you, but oh, I think we're going to Enjoy your restaurant. Yeah. Have a fabulous time. Bye. Okay. So has anyone ever done that? Has anyone ever wanted to do that? I just did it with my phone. It was really fun. So um, my question to you today is, are we built to live within time structures and governed by our diaries in the way that we do? Last time I stood up here, I did actually bring my diary and um, wondered whether we should be living by the work schedules, appointments, birthdays, social events, and school terms that we choose to live by. But imagine that you had nothing written in your diary at all. How would you use your time? When I had those conversations with people, that whole thing took me 10 minutes to make. The first man was easy to interrupt. He was selling something, and so people probably talked to him all the time. So he didn't look too surprised. The Romanian plumber was a bit tricky because his boss got quite cross with both of us chatting and told him to get back to work. Um, the French tourist was a bit surprised when he thought he could get rid of me by saying, je ne parle pas anglais, so I just broke into French and um, <laughs> he didn't get away that easily. Um, the, the ladies were easy. Um, they were very smiley and they were all taking a selfie together in Covent Garden and weren't rushing anywhere. And they, as you heard, really wanted to chat. Would I have found out what Muslim ladies think about Jesus? Had I not had that conversation? No. The family couldn't get away fast enough. They were claiming a table reservation. <laughs> and one of my questions to all of them was, what would Jesus do if he walked the streets of our city? Do we think he would have something to say to everyone that he met? Can I have the slide of the fire brigade? So this is our street where we live in Clapham and we have a street party every year and last year the police came and judged our cake competition and this year we invited the fire brigade. So here they are judging the Dalmatian cakes and letting children wear their outfits. Did these firemen mind having their day interrupted to spend time in their community? No, they didn't. 
Was Jesus formally introduced to people in the communities that he walked in? No, he wasn't. My mother taught me that a stranger is a friend that you haven't met yet. So the people that I've met this morning, Victor, Elizabeth, Esther, and others who name I probably can't remember, you're just friends I haven't met yet. So meeting a stranger is actually something that none of us should be nervous about. So my next question is, did Jesus have a comfort zone? I doubt it. He was the most spontaneous person that I've ever met. Would anyone like to name me a story in the Gospels that is not spontaneous? Have you ever read that bit where Jesus says, hang on, let me think about that. I'm not sure if I can fit this conversation in right now. Do you mind just sending an email to my PA? No takers. In John 4, Jesus goes on a journey. The situation was this. The Pharisees had heard that Jesus had lots of followers, so it was time for him to move on. We're told that he had to go through Samaria. Now, I did a bit of research. He didn't have to go through Samaria. There was another route that was a bit longer. And many Jews would have taken that route because they didn't like the people who lived there. But Jesus chose the most direct route. We could have the verse up, please. Between Judah and Galilee. Now, before we read this slide, I have to tell you that my dear daughter, Evita, uh, did the slides for me. And there's one missing word on one of the slides. So I want to see if you can get it. Okay. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, I want you to think about the last two weeks of unseasonably warm weather we've had. By the way, the day the school holidays began, the rain came. So um, I want you to just think back how beautiful it was. And imagine that you're standing in a queue to buy a bottle of water before you go down into the tube to do a sweaty commute. So in John 4, Jesus was kind of in a queue for water. And he met a woman at the well. Was this a random meeting or was it planned? A commentary piece that I read on this said, Meeting her, our Lord understood this to be a sign from his father that she was one of those sinners he came to call to repentance. But we know that Jesus had no appointment booked with this woman. It was a random encounter to all intents and purposes, but because he was in tune with the father, there was nothing random about it at all. Why was Jesus there? How was he feeling? What did he say? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Normally, when I want to engage with someone, I might offer them something, not ask for something. But what Jesus is doing is starting a conversation and being vulnerable. He's thirsty and he wants to know if she can help but he's also got a conversation up his sleeve. And once he has her attention, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, giving you lots of chances, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal His first question, that's the missing word, asking for a drink was an easy one. Not challenging, not personal, not prying or nosy. A bit like me in Leicester Square. 
But it was loaded with significance. And the woman realizes that there is more to this conversation than meets the eye. He's not just asking for a drink of water. You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. When Jesus talks about living water, the woman is practical. She says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Jesus explains that the water he can give will never run dry. The woman then asks where she can find this water. The conversation is both practical and spiritual at the same time. Suddenly, the gift of the prophetic is released. And Jesus tells the woman what she already knows, that she has no husband and has already had five. He lays his cards on the table. And surprisingly, she is not offended. She calls him a prophet. The conversation goes deeper still and leads to a punchline. Woman, Jesus replied, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you know. We worship what we do. Sorry. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And here's the punchline. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. It's a bit like a film script, because at that moment of tension, the disciples return with their bags of shopping. They sort of break the moment, don't they? It's as if the drama has reached its highest point and needs something to take attention away from this intense moment. But the effect of this prophetic word is not lost on this woman. She goes and spreads it to all the other villages and begs them to come and see what she has seen and heard. But, and this is the funny part, the disciples are still in the real world. They think he needs a snack. Rabbi, eat something. It's lunchtime, and they've probably been eating bits from their bags of shopping on the way back from the town already. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Can we take that verse to our own lives? Think about it next time you're queuing for water, especially if the person next to you is very different from you and not someone that you would normally speak to. Many of the Samaritans in that town believed in Jesus because of that one spontaneous conversation that the woman was so excited to repeat. Quotes, he told me everything that I ever did. Jesus then interrupts his plans. Did Jesus have plans? There are no diary issues for him, and he stays an extra two days in that area, and many people become believers. They say to the woman, we no longer believe just because, what you sa- because of what you said. We now know that this man really is the savior of the world. So Jesus reacted to absolutely everybody who approached him or asked him for something. When was the last time you made a plan on the spot? Who's forgotten to bring a picnic today? But I'll get one anyway. Was there a spontaneous blessing? Think about other times when Jesus interrupted what he was doing to react to an interruption from someone else. What about the paralyzed man? Talk about gate crashing a talk. I mean, he literally crashes through the ceiling. And Jesus doesn't bat an eyelid. He doesn't say, "Uh, excuse me, can you just come to my surgery next week? There are no NHS waiting times with Jesus. 
Jesus didn't care what people thought. He was happy to break the law that the Pharisees lived their lives by. A modern example is this, and we have two people in the room who can help me, which is so great. Um, So, you don't know who you are. My daughter asked me the other day, why can ambulances go across red lights? James, where are you? Stick a hand up. Thank you. James is a paramedic. Why can ambulances go across red lights? Uh, We have an exemption from the traffic law, so we keep them as give way. Otherwise, we'd be stuck there forever. Thank you very much. So ambulances are an emergency service. Um, And we have a GP in the room. (laughs) Why do people have to wait for appointments? (laughs) Well, I've been been dying to say this. (laughs) Oh, Andrew says I mustn't be political. Why do people have to wait for appointments? Well, it, it is because there is a lot of demand... And not enough people to meet the demand. And there could be a political reason for that. So in life, we have emergency services and GP services. But which one do we want to be? Sorry. Um, We want to know the Lord who can be the emergency service in any situation. Racing through the red lights, breaking the speed limit. Jesus is not a GP Jesus is an emergency service. Not sure how theological that is, but it works for me. Did he have a strategy, a plan, or just a very big heart? In fact, if Jesus came in here today and said to anyone under 30, follow me, they'd get their phones out and say Instagram or Twitter. He expected people to be spontaneous and not just click a button on their phone, but follow him immediately with their whole lives. In Matthew 4.18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, spontaneously, they left their nets and followed him. The only similarity, I think, between, between Jesus and Twitter is that we can choose who to follow on Twitter and we can choose to follow Jesus. But the analogy ends there. So here's a spontaneous challenge that Jesus gives to us and I want to pass on to you as you think about the next term. Then Jesus came to them, this is from Matthew 28, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So some of us may be getting on planes in the next few days or weeks for the summer holidays, but lots of us won't, and we can't do that every day. And there are many ways that we can interpret this verse and make it part of our daily life. Can we play the next very short clip, please? We pray for anywhere and everywhere, anywhere someone has a connection with. We get amazing feedback from the people that we pray for, which is great. It's actually between us and individuals all over the world. It's not just one way. Someone will have um, prepared uh, some content about a particular country. We usually try and have food and share some time together beforehand around the theme of that country so we've had some fairly eclectic cuisine we'll go through prayer points and um, that those people present and then give words um pictures and share those back with um the people that we've been praying for 
That was an advertisement on behalf of World Prayer <laughs> made by Judy, who couldn't be here today. So I picked on her at the end of the service last week and said she's going to have her voice anyway. A few of us here in this room, I can't see who's here, Natalie, who else has been to World Prayer, um, have been meeting over the last couple of terms to partner with nations across the world. Once a month on a Thursday evening, we do cook very eclectic food um, and we try and be as authentic as we can. And then we prepare audio, I'm all about audio, um, to, um, to listen to from that country. And then we record on our phones what we feel the Lord is saying and send it back to the people on the mission field. And we've had some incredible evenings. There's a very powerful presence of the Holy Spirit as we all pray out loud together. Last year, we prayed for Japan, New Zealand, Democratic Republic of Congo, Nigeria, Georgia, Venezuela, Costa Rica, India, Zambia, Sri Lanka, Mozambique, Manchester, Brazil, and Hong Kong. And if you've got countries on your heart that were not mentioned in that list, and you'd like to either visit World Prayer or um, come and join us, we would really love to have you. Talk to me, Robert, Alan, or Emily. It's important to make plans, of course, but to see the bigger picture is also really important. And God has a bigger picture for us. So if we're so busy looking at our phones or our diaries, we could miss it. Where is your well? Where's your Jacob's well? Is it your local coffee shop? Is it your gym? Is it the pub? Open your eyes and see who is sitting at the well, who Jesus may just have put in that place at that moment for you to speak to. You might be ignored, as I was, by some of the people in Leicester Square, but they're not going to forget the fact that they were asked about Jesus. I don't know what God's going to do, even with that question. And the next time you check into Twitter to see what the people you follow, inverted commas, are up to, check into the Holy Spirit at the same time and get an update on what he's doing. This comes with a warning. Your day may not go as planned. A huge thank you, I promised this to Avita, um, goes to her who did the PowerPoint for me and listened to me practice the talk to get the timings right, which I hope I have. By her calculations, we should still have a couple of minutes to be spontaneous. If there's something you've been meaning to ask for prayer for, now is the chance to ask. Don't feel you have to wait for an appointment or catch Jesus at a convenient time. So just have a think. If there's anything that spontaneously you think, I've been thinking, I don't want to bother God with that. I don't want to bother anyone else with that. Now's your chance to be spontaneous. And something I meant to say right at the top was the blessing that our family get from turning up at church far too early. The spontaneous conversations that we have with people as they wander in, maybe visiting, maybe have never been here before, are such a blessing to us. So if anyone else wants to join us to be spontaneous on Sunday mornings, we're nearly always here about an hour early and we get more croissants than everybody else. Um, so you can come and share them with us. So um, if you want to respond to a spontaneous prayer, then now's your chance. <laughs>